This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Day Radio. I am your host, Miriam Marston. And as always, it is such a joy to be with you all each week as we listen to stories of how God has inspired people to step forward in faith, hope, and love, ready to share the beauty of the gospel in their lives and in their ministries. And this week, I get a chance to share one of those stories through my conversation with Janessa Terracino, who is a Catholic wife, mother, speaker, and author living in New England. One of Janessa's key areas of interest is women's ministry, and her passion for this issue has only increased over time as the cultural pressure and confusion has become decidedly more palpable, I'd say. Now, one saintly woman who Janessa refers to in our conversation is Edith Stein, who would become Teresa Benedicta of the Cross when she made her vows in the Carmelite community. St. Teresa Benedicta was a Jewish convert to the Catholic faith, and she was a highly accomplished academic, and she was someone who really set out to learn the truth, the truth about God, about the world around her, reality, and her own identity as well. There's a well-known story about her life, and it's one that Janessa mentions, too, that Edith read uh, St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography, and when she finished it, she closed the book and said simply, This is the truth. She was baptized Catholic not long after, and tragically, both she and her sister were killed at Auschwitz in 1942. There's a passage by St. Teresa Benedicta that I came across that is particularly relevant to this show's theme of evangelization. She writes that, During the time immediately before, and quite some time after my conversion, I thought that leading a religious life meant giving up all earthly things and having one's mind fixed on divine things only. Gradually, however, I learned that other things are expected of us in this world. I even believe that the deeper someone is drawn to God, the more he has to get beyond himself in this sense. That is, go into the world and carry divine life into it. These words by St. Teresa Benedicta clearly demonstrate this evangelical dimension which is inseparable from the inner life of spiritual conversion. So the deeper we are drawn to God, the more we have to go beyond ourselves, the more we are called to go into the world. Because, my friends, the world always needs more hearts that have been set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. And this going beyond ourselves might mean going as far as another country or the next town over, or maybe it's simply within the borders of our own family and friendships. The point is, spiritual conversion leads to mission. So please enjoy my conversation with Janessa, whose story will hopefully remind you that when you're immersed in the Christian life and sincerely searching for the truth, you start, as she puts it, to see God's fingerprints everywhere. 
I'm delighted to be joined today by Janessa Terracino, who is a wife, mother, and Catholic author and speaker, and she resides with her family in New England. Janessa, how are you today? Good. I'm so excited to be with you, Miriam. Thanks for having me on. I get a new uh, new population to chat to since I'm out on the East. So. Absolutely. And uh, Janessa, our, our paths crossed, uh, gosh, it was a number of years ago when I was still living on the East Coast. And it was just a real joy to get to know you and your family. And now, uh, now, as you said, our listeners have this chance to get to know you as well. So I'd love to go ahead and dive into your story. So what did things like religion or church or faith, what did that look like growing up for you? And was it something kind of always there in the environment or maybe there in the background? Walk us through some of those milestone moments uh, in your faith. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I definitely grew up in a Catholic household. My parents are really intent on getting us to day or not daily mass. I wish <laughs> Sunday mass. Um, I was probably not fully understanding. I mean, we went, maybe I was going through the motions, you know, kind of daydreaming at mass, but you know, that was definitely a pillar. Like I would never think of, of missing Sunday mass. So I think that was like a really good foundation, yeah. but I think my parents were kind of like growing alongside of of me. I mean, they were definitely drawn into the faith more by the time I was in middle school and high school. My mom went through like like a major conversion, which I think if your heart's not in the right place, it was very confusing to me and kind of upsetting. And I was like, my mom loves God more than me. And it's like, yeah, your mom should have God more than you. But, you know, a little jealousy, a little confusion about this new relationship. But eventually that basically drew us all in more. My mom's witness to going to adoration and praying and just, she ended up teaching, you know, theology at a high school. And like, so it's sort of this whirlwind difficult at first, but, um, so yeah, my heart was kind of opening. They always say, if you have teens, you know, just tell them things they're hearing it. You know, it's like, even though I seemed upset and close-minded, I was hearing the things my mom was saying, you know? Um, so it wasn't really like all those seeds, interesting seeds were planted. It wasn't until college um, that I kind of took that personal step. And I think that's really important for everyone is even if you're raised well and fruitfully in the faith, I mean, at some point you really have to have that personal act of faith. You would hope it happened, you know, at confirmation or, um, but I, you know, my curiosity grew. My big thing was studying abroad in Ecuador. Hmm. I was kind of, I always had an adventurous spirit. But, you know, I thought it was going to go a certain way. And the timing of this is really interesting. The year after me, all these people I feel like I could have been friends with and traveled with went. But I was with a very small group who uh, definitely didn't share my values, let's just say. And so I ended up being like kind of isolated in this country, um, which sounds horrible. But I now call it my mountaintop moment. And it's something I see very thematically throughout scripture is the Lord draws people away from as painful as that might be. He takes them into the wilderness or in a, in, you know, some foreign room in Ecuador in my host parents' house, you know, and I was faced with some, you know, I went to class and I knew some people, but it was really just a drawing me towards the Lord. My friend had given me a book. um, C.S. Lewis is mere Christianity, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. So that was like, a big page turner and really my first, like, you know, wedding, my spiritual appetite. And my mom had given me some uh, rosary books and other prayer booklets. And I just remember her saying, I think you're ready for this when I left. And so 
I was diving into that and also praying a vocational prayer to St. Joseph at the time. Cause I was like, I was a, I guess I was a junior in college and just not really sure where God was calling me. So yeah. that time as lonely as it was, it ended up being extremely fruitful. Um, you know, prayed the rosary for the first time ever had to look up all the mysteries and learn how to do it. Yeah. But just like a mega, just turnover of just finally feeling God, knowing that he answers your prayers. Um, so that was basically my big change, my big moment into the coming really into the faith. How long, uh, how long were you in Ecuador? Janessa? It was like four months. Yeah. Felt longer when you're in the desert. Long when you're in the desert. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. You know, it's like, who wants to be dealing with suffering, but when you come out of it, it's like crazy, the fruitfulness of it, you know, like I wouldn't have traded that experience knowing that's really what turned my heart to Christ so much. You know, I think sometimes we pray so generically to God that we don't know he answers prayers, maybe in the far future. Oh, I hope my kid does this, but it's like 10 years off before you'll find out if that prayer was answered. So I learned then and continue to learn to ask God, Jesus about every little thing and turn every little thing. And when you do, you see that he does answer because you're not praying for something 10 years down the road. You're praying for something tomorrow or, you know, in the moment and you see his hand at work when you do that, you know? Beautiful. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, So when you came back from that experience in Ecuador, what, how how did you kind of make that adjustment kind of coming back? Where were you going to college at the time? I went to Virginia Tech, which was a pretty secular campus. I think there I was faced with some interesting stuff. I got a little spoiled. I I grew up in the Arlington Diocese, which tends to be known for being pretty solid, but I didn't really know that but I was just seeing some big differences in approach. Um, There's definitely some major liturgical abuses going on. I was kind of scratching my head, like just sort of the, you know, when you're put into different situations, you start to realize like, okay, maybe I was catechized well and didn't realize it. This doesn't really feel well, but, but I continued to just kind of dive into like Matthew Kelly was my thing. Like senior year, I read like all his books. He's great when you're just like really like entering and trying to learn. Um, he has the, was his sacrament book or I think he calls it the pillars of Catholicism or so I, like, he was like a good entry level, like just hungry to learn more, a good starting place. But part of my vocational prayer was I felt called to youth ministry. So I immediately started looking for how to pursue that, looking for solid master programs and, um, that's what led me to, uh, Christendom college's master program out in Alexandria, Virginia. They have like a little satellite branch, but known to be solid. So I knew I could just go and learn and not feel like, okay, is this solid theology or not? And so that was sort of the next step in the journey was just kind of full force learning, learning everything I could. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, Speaking of vocation, um, how did doors open then to marriage and family? (laughs) Took a while. I was ready a lot longer. (laughs) My mom's telling me, maybe you should pray to this saint and that saint. I'm like, mom, I've prayed all I can. I just have to wait on the Lord at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I kind of taken a break from dating, uh, kind of pursuing when I did youth ministry actively, I was doing some volunteer youth ministry while I was getting my master's and then ran a program for about three years. But mm. yeah, that was kind of a funny story. Um, my husband and I met 
I guess you could say by chance, by the, the gift of the Holy Spirit at a Catholic get-together. Um, so I always tease him because he wasn't Catholic at the time. I say he was set up or he set himself up going to a Catholic party. I'm like, what yeah. do you think was going to happen? But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He, he ended up coming into the church two months before we were married. Like my parents are shaking in their boots. I'm like, I'm going to stay Catholic. I knew like he was on board with a lot of the moral church teachings. I felt like we could have a good family life. I wasn't, and I felt like it would come. I always yeah. tease. I say anyone who reads the church fathers, they're going to be Catholic. So he got, you know, he got into that. I'm like, you'll be Catholic soon. I think it was a couple of months before we were married. He's like, I think I could be Greek Orthodox. I'm like, come on, <laughs> just let's go all the way. But it wasn't one of those. I'm just getting married to a Catholic. So I sure. need to do this. He really had his own journey met, you know, it was handy. I knew a lot of priests being in ministry and yeah. met with them personally. And I be, he basically read his way into the church, but I think I had everyone under the sun praying. I had a cloistered monastery of sisters praying. I'm like, I'm like, you think that you read your way into the church, but people prayed you into the church. So yeah, it was kind of, so I say, I mean, he knows almost more than I do. And I went through a master's program. He just is so passionate about the church and reading and learning. And our kids' names kind of reflect that. He wanted Clement for our first son because there's an early church father. Well, he's the fourth Pope, but he wrote a letter to the Corinthians, just like Paul. And it talks about apostolic succession. And for him, that was a really big key to becoming Catholic. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I think anyone who's on the road of, of considering it, there's always maybe a particular issue, maybe a stumbling block, but there's always something that's going to draw you in. And that's particular to each person converting, you know? Yeah. So that was the game changer was, well, if this church has apostolic succession, who am I to argue? <laughs> That's where I want to be. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Janessa Terracino, who is a wife, mother, and Catholic author and speaker residing in New England. Um, I mentioned the author and speaker part. And Janessa, how did you kind of fall into uh, this ministry? And I know you've done a lot, especially with uh, like women's ministry as well. So yeah, walk us through that. Sure. Um, I think for... Like I said that vocations prayer and, and felt called to youth ministry. But I think even before that, as a girl, I felt really called to writing. Mm. Like you would find me in my room making up stories and always mm. scheming up book ideas. And, um, but, you know, kind of forgot all about that. But it was sort of like everything I had done sort of prepared me, you know, youth ministry or just in college. I did a lot of writing. So it was just sort of like God was preparing me to, to do this in the right time. But um yeah, I just, um, I guess the first book came just from taking on a new way of looking through theology. Hmm. When you enter into deep relationship and deep study, you start to see God's fingerprints kind of everywhere. Yeah. And so for me, it started with fairy tales, like things I watched as a kid. And I was like, wait a second, there's some pretty strong biblical themes here, like in Snow White with the apples. Like, why is the apple always involved? Like, hello, original sin, you know, seems obvious now, but... So, and, and, and fairy tales are deeply Christian. And so that was what my first book is on is sort of just reminding people in modern generation and highlighting these themes that we can find in fairy tales and realize that God, God's everywhere and we can see him everywhere, every aspect of our lives and um, kind of expanding that vision. But the first book is called The Princess Guide, Faith Lessons from Snow White, Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And it's, it's really advice that I wish people had taught me 
So obviously everyone can say I made mistakes or um, just, you know, I think some of that was just from some general cluelessness of, you know, here's, here's the church teaching or here's like, you know, your design as a woman. So it's sprinkled a little bit with some theology of the body, but just sort of like sisterly love to, to girls, like to young women, like that I wish I kind of mentor, I wish people had told me. And so um, the book took a while, but it was also fun because I did um, something called girl talk in my youth ministry. So I was kind of like testing out ideas on, on those young women and seeing how they were responding. And, and so it's sort of like uh, on, you know, in, in the field, (laughs) I was getting, you know, I was studying theology, but also just with real people and, and learning about with their desires and struggles as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's not, yeah. a, that's not a bad place to start is actually starting with real people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <what's that? laughs> and when you're, when you're thinking back to those conversations and I know Janessa, you know, this, the, the landscape has kind of changed too. This is not to, to sort of over-dramatize things, but I, I feel like mm-hmm. some of the challenges that have just kind of been amplified, uh, you know, in recent years, um, what, what are you hearing in your conversations with women about what, what are some of the questions that are bubbling up to the surface? What, what's kind of some of those aches in their hearts that you, you want to be able to respond to? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, things are really intense right now, especially with just simple things like men and women and, and all that. I mean, I find it really interesting, the Holy Spirit being at work you look at John Paul II bringing theology of the body starting in like 1970, like it's just very interesting. I feel like popes are popes for a reason and everyone brings their gifts in a timely way. You mean, I've always heard you were born in the country you're supposed to be born, you know, the place God planted you with the particular gifts you're sharing for that generation because there's an ache and a need to, um, to just share the truths of the church. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of lies out there too, in terms of like any side writing I do outside of books. I'm pretty passionate about sharing about motherhood and femininity and um, kind of reinstating uh, the truths, because I think, like I said, there's misconceptions of what the church teaches or um, people get swayed by, uh, you know, secular thought and pagans. And I mean, I think that's just a challenge to all Christians is, um, it's easy because there's certain modern issues to kind of fall into to the to this, but I think we need to hold strong to uh, theology and the biblical truths and the things that are natural law, the things that are written and designed on our hearts and bodies by God. And so, um, you know, of course, you have to dialogue to a certain degree with with modern issues, but. Um, yeah. I don't think we should lose sight of, of truth, if that makes any sense. It do, well, it does. And I let, let's say if we have like there's a, a young woman, a young mother, perhaps listening um, to our conversation and they're kind of wondering where to start, Janessa, to to help sort of re uh, sort of re-anchor their their lives in this truth. Where where might you um, where might you direct them? Our lady, I would say, like praying the rosary. But one of my uh personal, uh, what would I say? The saint that I I've loved and turned to is Edith Stein. She's known as St. Benedicta of the cross. She talks a lot about, um, like womanhood. She was a Jewish convert actually read another saint. I like St. Teresa of Avila's works and was like, this is truth. And like kind of converts on the spot. Um, she died in the Holocaust. Um, but before that, I mean, she was an amazing philosopher. So she has like some really rich teachings on, on women. 
Um, one of my favorite encyclical, well, it's not encyclical, it's apostolic letter. John Paul II wrote Familiar's Consortio. It's mm -hmm. about like family life. And um, so there's this, I mean, there's a lot of rich teaching there. You just kind of have to look for it. Um, but I feel like just opening your heart and telling the Lord your desires that you want to know his plan for you, or, I mean, the Holy Spirit's going to direct you to the right people and the, the right stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know there's so many great podcasts out there too. I know Kristalina Everett started her women made new, like that's out there. Um, I know, uh, Matt Frad's wife, Carmen, is it Carmen? I think, or something like that. Just a lot of strong, beautiful Catholic women who are, um, who are out there podcasting, which is a good, you know what I mean? There's just a lot you can learn about resources, just listening online and directing your and, path. And in with. fact, there is so much that it almost becomes overwhelming to begin to navigate like the options sure. of books and podcasts. I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I can be guilty of, you know, sort of faced with the prospect of going through a lot of good material and not knowing where to start. And therefore I never do start. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you mentioned, that's true. I yeah. mean, I think it's funny because like sometimes when I'm on, like I'm at conferences, like selling my books and like, I'll, I'll always ask like, do you have any teens in your life? Cause yeah. to figure out if my book's a good fit, but a lot of like grown women want, like they want to read the teen books and um, yeah. I know there was a Jeopardy contestant. I forget his name. If anyone tunes into Jeopardy, they'll probably know, but he was winning and he said it's because he was reading children's books. <laughs> but I think we could do that with the faith too. There's no reason. There's some beautiful children's yeah. books or even like teen books. Like I'm just saying if you're new in the faith, like it's not overwhelming. I know when I first read Scott Hahn, I was like over my head, right. you know, I mean, I think he's pretty good. He's not like now I think, well, he's good. He's not too heady, but at the time I wasn't ready for it. So it's like, it's okay to start, you know, with smaller things and build your way up. And I think in particular, like converts feel this way. Mm -hmm. I know I have a friend, she was uh, Russian. So she comes to America and she uh, no longer is practicing, but they're, you know, Orthodox there. And so it was a lot flying at her with language barrier and just sure. different culture and tradition. And it's like, start with teen books. That's okay. You know, you don't have to go for the the encyclicals and heady theologians right away, build your way up when you're ready, you know? So yeah. having a, a prayer life, I mean, that's the game changer is making that decision to get on your knees, to be personal, to share everything. I mean, that, that's seriously what changed me. And it changes the way you look at the world. And I mean, yeah, I'm always like, God's talking to me. I mean, I, I you know, you just sense, you just know when he's talking to you, yeah. whether it's like you keep seeing sunflowers everywhere. And you're like, what does this mean? I've, I've been down that road. I'm like, you know, it's just like, whatever, you know, God talks to everyone differently. For me, it's just like very repetitive things. Yeah. Like words I see over and over again or images. And it's sort of like, all right, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? So okay. learning the movements of the Holy Spirit in your life and being open to how God's directing you, you know? Yeah. So I can't say, oh, that's definitely, that's how God works for everybody, but that's, maybe does, but that's how he works for me. It's just like yeah. the knock, knock, knock. Hello, I've had to repeat this 10 times to you. <laughs> so you get it, you know? Yeah, but you're so, you're so right, Janessa, too. He's, he, the, the key here is that God is speaking to us. And mm -hmm. you're right, it's going to look different for different people, but let's not lose sight of the fact that, he he is speaking to us. He wants his plan for our lives to be known and lived out, and he wants to direct our steps. Uh, you know, Janessa, we have a couple minutes left. I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, you mentioned your you know your family life, and are there sort of any like prayers or saints that you've been gravitating to as a family in these recent months? 
Um, we actually li- live right next to um, Father Patrick Payton's burial place. I don't know if anyone knows yeah, him, but he's okay. famous for saying the family that prays together stays together. And the Holy Cross fathers have a whole um, family ministry for him mm-hmm. um, to promote praying the rosary. And so he's just always a good reminder to uh, to try to pray the rosary as a family. And I was really inspired by a mom of eight because I was like discouraged by how crazy rosary time was. And I was yeah. like feeling like giving up. And she's like, it doesn't matter. It's a circus. Like do it anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, Father Patrick Payton, like he reminds me, he's our little buddy down the road, like you need to pray with your family and that's really important and teaching them. But I've always loved in recent years, Fulton Sheen. That's another one of our son's name. He's just incredible. I mean, when I saw him as a kid, the way he was like some broad rebroadcast stuff on EW Tan, I was like, who's this? But diving into his his writings, I would suggest that to anybody. Life of Christ goes through like tons of just biblical stories and he's incredible. He's just an ongoing inspiration. I wish I could have met him maybe one day in heaven, but he's just so beautiful. I mean, he's written on a lot of topics and a continued inspiration to me. So yeah, those are my, my people, (laughs) my saints. Oh, wonderful. This might be, this might be a nudge or an inspiration to someone who's listening to maybe go uh, get to know these these folks a little better as well and become friends with those who've gone before us and uh, who also want to help us get to know God's voice in our life a little bit better. Oh, Janessa, it's been wonderful to, to have a chance to connect with you. And I just, I thank God for, for you, uh, for your ministry, for your family. I hope God continues to just bless you in so many ways. And thank you for your good work in the vineyard. Thanks, Miriam. God All bless right. everyone. God bless you. In our conversation, Janessa emphasized the role of prayer in the Christian life. As she put it, it really changes how you look at the world. She also referred to her mountaintop experience when she was living in Ecuador. And the scriptures really give us the origin of this expression of a mountaintop experience, as we see close connections between mountains and prayer and transformation. In the Old Testament, for instance, we hear the prophet Isaiah who declares, Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the Lord's mountain, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may instruct us in His ways, and we may walk in His paths. In the New Testament, we see over and over how Jesus not only tells us to pray, but He shows us how to. And in one of those instances, which is recalled in Luke's Gospel, we hear that Jesus, in those days, departed to the mountain to pray, and He spent the night in prayer. When day came, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Isn't that important to note, that he spent the night in prayer before the significant decision of selecting the twelve apostles, the ones through whom the Holy Spirit would work and carry on the Lord's mission in the world? And then, of course, even with a robust and deep prayer life, Things sometimes, maybe even often, simply do not work out the way we had hoped. To circle back to St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, she had some lovely words for these moments as well. She writes, When night comes, and you look back over the day, and you see how fragmentary everything has been, and how much you planned that has gone undone, and all the reasons you have to be embarrassed and ashamed— Just take everything exactly as it is, put it in God's hands, 
and leave it with Him. So that's my prayer for you this week. Just take everything exactly as it is, put it in God's hands, and leave it with Him. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston. I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to hear about what God is doing in our world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.